We hope you enjoy this podcast from Light Church Edithburg. To find out more about us, visit lightchurch.co. Who learned piano as a kid? Oh, yeah. Who, who, who didn't mind it? Oh, hang on, less, less. Um, Sarah Jane, you learned piano, didn't you? Yeah. Who remembers a C scale? Remember a C scale? Remember a C scale? Sarah Jane, do you remember a C scale? Good, come up here for a sec. Come, no, no, I just need you. I need your help. This is easy. Come on. You got friends there to help with the kids. Are you going to step right up there? Can you help me out for a moment? No, no pressure. You just grab a seat down there. Can you remember just a C scale? Can you just play? It doesn't, yeah, yeah, you know, all the, all the white ones. Just, can you do that for me? Just up. Let's do a bit again. Let's switch her up a bit. Go again. Again. That's not bad, is it? All right, all right. Um, can you do it backwards? You know? Yeah. She can do it backwards too. Um, you know, there was a music teacher once said that the message of Christmas is found in the C scale. Okay. But you've got to make room. You've got to make room. Okay. You know that song, Joy to the World, Let Every Heart Prepare Him Room. You've got to make room in the C scale. So you sort of do it like this. You do the, we're going to go down backwards. We're going to hear the first note, then a pause, then the second note. Then the next two, then the next a pause, then the next two, then the next one, and the last one. Hey, do that again. Hey, uh, who? I didn't know you could play carols. And grab a seat. Thank you. Um. Sarah will be playing tonight on the stage. She'll be. A... <laughs> so it was always there. But you had to make room so you, you, so you could receive the message. And I think Christmas is a bit like that. We got all this stuff, all this, mes- all this messaging, all this stuff in our life. And if we don't make room, we miss the whole message, the whole the whole thing about Christmas. We have to make room. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And I want to talk a little bit about this morning about preparing him room or making room. You only receive the good news when you make room. Come on, help me out. Tell someone next to you, you've got to make room. You've got to make room. Good mate. All right, you with me? Don't go to sleep just yet. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. That's the good news of Christmas. And it's easily lost when we don't make room. Um, there wasn't much room in the inn, was there? No room, no room in the inn. And I wonder if there's enough room in your life or enough space in your life. And this morning I want to encourage you to make room. There's lots of things that can be crowded in our life around Christmas. We all know that. All the activities, school concerts, 
We're, we're good at filling spaces rather than leaving room. We fill it with all sorts of things. We fill stockings. Does anyone still have stockings here? You know, for Christmas stockings, I mean. Anyone still have them? We fill our calendars up. We fill our bellies up. We fill, some fill our credit cards up. You know, we fill lots of things up at Christmas. When the relatives come, who had a kid, as a kid, had to make room, had to get out of your bed and sleep with the sibling on the floor? You've still got scars about that, haven't you? Every time Aunt Doris comes around, had to get out of your bed. And then you could smell Aunt Doris's perfume for the next three months in your room. I want to encourage you to make room so you can embrace the message of Christmas. I'm going to read about a group of people in the Christmas story who went to great lengths to make room. And we're going to read from Matthew chapter 2. I think it's verse 2 we'll go, uh, verse 1, sorry, we'll go from. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star, and we've come to worship him. King Herod was greatly disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. And he called a meeting with the leading priests, the teachers of the religious law, and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come who will be the shepherd of Israel. Isn't it interesting that all these religious people knew that Jesus was going to be born there, but they didn't make room? How many people do, who know stuff, know lots of stuff, but it still doesn't give them that encounter with God? Verse 7 then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men and he learned from the time when the, the uh, star first appeared. Why did he want to know that? He wanted to know how old this child was. Later, remember, Herod went to kill all the babies or under two years old. So I reckon they first saw it about two years earlier. That's how he knew. Verse 8, then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back so I can worship him too. Obviously, he didn't want to worship him. He wanted to eliminate Jesus. Verse 9, after the interview, the wise men went their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were what? filled with joy they entered the house and saw the child with his mother mary and bowed down and worshipped him then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold frankincense and myrrh when it was time to leave they returned to their own country by another route for the lord had warned them in a dream not to return to herod let's pray just before we unpack this a little bit and lord we thank you for your word and we i pray it'll maybe cause us to see you in, with new eyes, Lord, and maybe tune our hearts towards you in Jesus' name. Amen. You see, these wise men didn't come to get something from Jesus. They came to offer him something. They came to worship him. And often Christianity in our culture is about getting stuff. 
or if I do the right thing, I'll get something. And uh, uh, some sort of formula. If I pray, pray the right prayer, then I'll get the right result or act the right way or do the right thing. Sort of like God's a genie in the bottle. That's just the wrong way of thinking. You know, we don't impress God with what we do. Three wishes, your wish is my command. And we'd never want to reduce God to some vending machine in the sky where we just do the right thing and we get the, the prize we're looking for. Do something nice for someone so I get some sort of reward. Reward. You see, God doesn't exist for us, firstly. Firstly, we exist for God. And I think these wise men understood that. They didn't come to see Jesus to get something. They came to see Jesus to give him something. They realised that we exist for him. He doesn't exist just for me. We are created, actually, the Bible unpacks how we're being created to worship him, to bring him honour. And uh, that's what's important, to prepare him room, to make room. And something happens when we decide that God isn't just here for me, that I'm actually here for God. Something changes. Matthew 2, verse 2. The wise man said, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. To prepare room means to make it our first priority, actually, to worship him. To worship him. We saw his star, so we've come to worship him. And when you come to worship him, you encounter the King of Kings, the Saviour of the world. This is how you meet Jesus. And I just want to point out three aspects of their worship. And these are the three things. One, they were filled with joy. Two, they bought a gift. And three, they bowed down. They were filled with joy, they bought a gift, and they bowed down. They probably actually travelled, most commentators think about 1,400 kilometres on a camel without air conditioning. Probably from um, somewhere in the old Babylon, which is around Iran, Iraq, somewhere around there. Most people think they probably came from there. That's a fair way to travel in the Middle East, 1,400 kilometres. Although they first saw him and then they came to visit him, it took them a while to get there. Yet, I'm sure they're worn out, but when they saw the star again, it said they were filled with great joy. And it's an interesting translation, they were filled with great joy, because there's sort of four words there, and what it means is they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, That so much joy that joy came out everywhere. It's sort of one of those words where it wasn't just, you know, had a little dance and got on with it. It's just like the joy was overflowing big humongous overarching joy you know when you're happy about being happy because you're happy it's like that so that's that's the terminology when they saw the star they were just wow and this joy over over flooded their soul why i think somehow they had an insight they weren't jewish or anything but they they had an insight that this baby was not just a baby this baby was the king of kings and the saviour of the world. And here's our problem sometimes. Sometimes we're underjoyed instead of overjoyed. 
Has that ever happened to you? Probably this morning. Underjoyed. I don't know if that's a word. I'm just making it a word. It's the opposite to overjoyed. And, um, but when we realise who God is and what he's done, when we put our focus on that, something changes within us. But you don't understand the electricity, electricity bill came and it's... And when we focus on these things which we all face, we all face trials, we all face things like that in our life, that's when we get underjoyed. When we focus on the goodness of God and who he is and what he's done and what it all means, that's when joy comes. There's a, there's a thing around Christmas. If you want to prepare him room, focus on the right things. Focus on the goodness of God. He, he came to give you eternal life. That's, that's joy. So when we come to worship, let's, let's do our best to come joy-filled rather than indifferent or upset, you know, where, where we put our heart and soul into it. They were overjoyed. It says they came into the house, they saw the child and they bowed down. We'll get to that in a moment. But the, the second one was they bought a gift. They opened their treasure chest and brought gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. They gave joyfully. Uh, who loves giving at Christmas? You know, when you get the kids opening the presents, there's something about being a giver, isn't there? Where it actually even releases joy. And um, gold, frankincense and myrrh. Some people think, some commentators think that this, they were worth a lot, those, those items in those days. Some people think that when they went to Egypt to escape Herod as refugees, that, that those gifts financed those time, that time away so they were able to live when they came back. They gave with joy. Joy made me live, a give. And we do really make room in our hearts, make room for God when we give, when, when there's generosity. Generosity makes you bigger. It doesn't take away from your life. It actually makes you bigger. You make room when we give. A generous heart exp expands. A needy heart is shrinking heart. A heart that gives. You want to be around people who are generous, not just because you might get something on them, but there's something about their spirit which is just, it's just refreshing. It makes us bigger people. It makes us like... God-like. What do I mean God-like? I don't mean up on the throne. I mean God so loved the world that what? He gave. God showed his love by giving. And when we give, we reflect the nature of God. And uh, there's something, something awesome about that. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They bowed and worshipped. They opened their treasury. They gave with a smile. Romans 12 verse 1. Thanks, Sandy. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Be generous. When it says your bodies, it just doesn't mean your flesh and butt. It actually means your, your, your whole life, your world. Because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and uh, holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. I love this last line. This is truly the way to worship him. If you want to worship God, Give. Serve others, serve him. They were filled with joy. They were generous. They opened their treasuries. 
you know, we open our hearts when we give our, you know, our time and our talents and our resources. When we're generous with our life, we make room for God. And uh, what was that? They, f- they were filled with joy. They bought their gift and they bowed their knee. Verse, 10, verse 11 said, And coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed the knee and worshipped him. They bowed the knee. What's interesting about this? When, we, when you get your nativity scene, the wise men are there at the manger and how old's Jesus? How do you see? A few days old, week old, Okay. And, uh, you know, in our nativity scenes, we see these wise men bowing down to this baby. Let's remember, this is two years later. Anyone ever had a two-year-old in your house? Who knows what a two-year-old is like? So these wise men came, and there's this about two-year-old. Bowing down to a baby is okay, but this toddler, I'm not too sure about that. To me, it just shows humility. And I'm sure Jesus was special, but I'm sure he was also too. And I don't know what that looked like. But I can, you know, babies, we could cooch, 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 but when they get to two years old, it's a different story, isn't it? Sorry for anyone who's got a two-year-old. We've, we've had some. We know. The, the verse actually says that when they got to the house, they were in a house by now, they weren't in the manger anymore, they were, they were in a house. That's humility. Psalm 95, verse 6 and 7 says this, Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for we are, He is our God and we are the people, the flock under His care. Bowing and worship, bowing symbolises worship and there's something about humility that makes room for God. I mean these guys were wise men so they were probably pretty well off and they were very knowledgeable, well respected yet they were big enough to humble themselves and worship this child. It says of uh, Peter, when Peter met Jesus it says he fell to his knees and said, oh, please leave me, I'm too much of a sinner. So he felt, it's sort of a picture of repentance, I suppose. I'm not worthy. And uh, we sing, oh, holy night, fall on our knees. There's, there's something about getting on our knees. A quote I read years ago said, kneeling before Christ empowers you to stand before people. And it does. Something about when we kneel. Another quote I read once what, that the highest place on earth is at the feet of Jesus. Something that empowers us when we worship him. Jesus himself kneeled in submission. It says um, that Jesus once withdrew about a stone's throw away, kneeled down, and spoke to his father. So Jesus himself modeled this. And you knew, he said at that point in time, not my will, but yours be done. So this is the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus did that. In some cultures, a kneeling and submission and honour is the normal. You know, Europeans, who, who's from England here? Curtsy to the Queen. King now. Uh, in Japan, they bow. Um, some, other, some other countries and cultures are used to bowing. Aussies aren't so good at this. 
I'm not going to bow to you. Who do you think you are? Our culture doesn't particularly like to submit so much. But kneeling in prayer, submitting to God, submit to God, something happens within us. The Bible reveals this about Jesus in Philippians. He humbled himself to God, talking about Jesus, died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore God raised him up to the highest place of honour and gave him a name above every name. And then it says this, At the name of Jesus every knee will bow, in heaven, on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will declare that he is Lord. And we get to do it now or we get to do it at some point in time. You know, every creature, every person will bow to the name of Jesus. We prepare him room. We make room for him as we choose joy, as we bring our gift, as we're generous, as we bow our knee or bow our hearts, humble our hearts. And, you know, you make room by giving stuff away. Any hoarders here? Don't make me come out there. In our house... If it hasn't been used in the last year, you, Kerry's already given it away to somebody. Sometimes I have to go through the wheelie bin just to find stuff from my shed. Daryl, how, how does that sound? Sh- shocking, isn't it? Uh, but I think to make room for God in our hearts, we have to give things away. We've got to give away pride. We've got to give away self-sufficiency. Sometimes we've got to give away our preconceived ideas to make room but when you make room in your heart by worshipping it transforms you we read Romans 12 verse 1 offer your bodies as a sacrifice the next verse says you'll be transformed and the word is metamorphous into uh, the image of Jesus like Jesus as we worship God as we make room it enlarges us it enriches us it empowers us encourages us I might get the team back. Thanks, Kevin. I might sing that last song a couple of times, I think. One, I read this. One, one person met Jesus and he said, fell on his knees and he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's a good question. And that's a good question you might have asked or you might not have asked. What must I do? This person came, bowed before Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, this is a good start. Is to bow your knee to God. Humble yourself and just acknowledge that I can't do it without you, Lord. I'm one of the people in this world where I need God in my life. He is the saviour. He is the one who makes us right with God. He has the the gift of peace and salvation and acceptance and healing. What must I do to inherit eternal life? I think a good good place to start is to, to pray. Let's pray together. Maybe you can bow your heads. And if you identify with this prayer, just pray sort of along in your own heart. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you came to earth. You could have showed yourself in many ways, but you came to earth as a man to be with us, God with us.
to show us what God was really like. Went through all the similar struggles that we have. But you poured out your love in the most incredible way where you became, I suppose, like a substitute for us, Lord. And although we might not fully understand it, we know that you died that we could have the life of God. You, you took some punishment that we can be forgiven. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you for that. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Lord, we ask you to come and be our Lord and Saviour, that you would come into my life, not just as a baby in a manger, but as the Saviour of my world, as the Lord of my life. And Lord, uh, you might need to do this just... If it is you, just say, Lord, I, I commit my life and my will to you. Fill me with your spirit that I might know you and that I might be changed to be like you. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that the peace of God and the grace of God and just the presence of God will fill people's hearts, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I think a, a good way to finish with this would be to worship God. Maybe we, we'll sing that song.